0: Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we are in uh, our second, or I guess third, because we did an overview sermon, but we're in our, our third sermon of this exiles series. And, and we're looking at the book of 1 Peter, and we're looking at we're looking at our identity as, as children of God in a place. That doesn't love God and so by by definition we are exiles we don't belong in this earth our eternal home is in heaven and so what should our lives be like here and now how's my volume out there is it too loud no good praise the Lord okay so turn with me again in first Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 25 if you have Uh, If you have your Bible, I'm glad you do. We always put the scriptures on the screens. Um, But if you're visiting with us or you haven't been here many times, um, on the inside rows of every row, there are Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, that is our gift to you. Uh, We want you to know that we're going to preach and teach out of God's Word and we stand uh, stand on it as our authority alone. And so if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, that's our gift to you. Or if you forgot your Bible, pick it up and join us. Uh, page 1075, 1st 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. It says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, now, typically our custom is to read the entire passage for the night and then walk through it and teach through it, but because we're covering such a long chapter today, uh, I'm just going to read each section that we're going to teach through once and then teach on it then. And so it says, therefore, with your minds ready for action and being sober-minded, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What, what that means to me and what I take from that is that holiness is action grounded in hope. If you picked up on that, uh, Peter begins this section, uh, first off, with therefore. And, and we're learning as, as we're trying to be Bible fluent, we're trying to have Bible fluency. And when you see therefore, you need to know what it's there for. And, and, and therefore is summarizing everything that was just talked about, which was our first sermon of how great a salvation we've been given. And so Peter is saying, therefore, now with this great and glorious and rich salvation in mind, based on that gr- great salvation, with our minds ready for action, uh, that old school translation, if you, if you grew up reading the King James Bible, maybe you did, maybe you don't even know what the King James, King James Bible is, that's fine. Um but it says, gird up your loins. (laughs) Gird up your loins, which is a really old phrase, right? But but what Peter was getting at when he was writing to the original audience is that um, to gird up your loins meant that that men back in those days wore robes with a belt, okay? And what they would do, if they were going to gird up their loins, they would gather up the bottom part of their robe and tuck it into their belt so that their legs would be a little bit more free and they could run unhindered, right? And and so Peter is telling them, the audience would have understood this cultural statement of girding up your loins, you're getting ready for action, and it says, with your minds ready for action, being sober-minded, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But he says, preparing your minds for action, getting ready. See, salvation is a call to come and follow Jesus. It requires action. And and this call to follow Jesus embarks us on the fight of our lives because as we'll see in this passage and throughout the entire book of 1 Peter, um, we are called to fight our sin that lives within us. And and that's really challenging to kill the sin that exists in your life. That's very challenging to do. It's also a fight to take the light to the dark places. See, friends, let let me remind you. Did you know that in the state of Wyoming, the average is that 90% of the people you know in this city will spend eternity separated from God in hell? You can look up different numbers if you don't trust me. That's fine. That comes from the North American Mission Board, the largest missions agency in the United States. It varies depending on what city you're in. Casper does have a lot more churches than a lot of the other cities in our state. But you're not gonna find a a number lower than 70%. That means that the people you work with, seven out of 10 of them will spend an eternity away from Jesus Christ. The people you go to school with, Seven out of ten of them will spend an eternity away from Jesus Christ. We cannot forget that the call to follow Christ is a call to action. And so we see in this passage that holiness is action grounded in hope. So what do I mean by that? Um, it's, It's a call to action, but then he says, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're getting ready for action. We're gonna go on this fight, but what is it that keeps us fueled? What is it that keeps us uh, going? And and it's the fact that we can look forward to something. I remember, I, I don't look like I could run a half marathon now, and you would be correct. I cannot. But, but there at a time in college, I trained and I ran a half marathon and like a goofball, I tried to jump over a cone at the first half mile of the race and I rolled my ankle and it hurt really bad and I had 12 and a half miles to go and, and so I finished that but towards the end, right at the very end, my leg that wasn't hurt was cramping severely because it was absorbing so much more weight because I couldn't put weight on my ankle but when I saw that finish line, it didn't matter how tired I was, I knew I was going to finish. There's an amazing video on YouTube of Derek Redmond in the 1992 Olympics and he had trained and he he was an Olympic athlete and he goes to this race and, and in the first corner he comes out and he tears his hamstring and you see him go to the ground and he kneels, holding on to his hamstring that is severely injured. He composes himself and he gets up and he begins to limp in severe pain. And then with this powerful, I teared up watching the stinking video this week as I prepared for the sermon, his father comes sprinting out of the stands and he pushes through security and he gets onto the track and he puts his arm around his son and his son looks at his dad and he just begins bawling, crying and he collapses into his father's shoulder and his father holds him and they exchange words and then guess what? They keep going. And although he got last place, and I'm pretty sure that because his father helped him, he was disqualified, but he crossed the finish line. Church, sometimes we get discouraged. We get broken that, that we get tired of fighting our own sin. We think, God, I just wish that I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. God, I wish that I didn't have these issues anymore and this sin that just constantly trips me up, I'm sick of it. Or maybe it's, it's a friend of yours that just for year after year, you've watched this sinful habit just be toxic in their life and it has been debilitating to them and they've, they've, maybe they've lost their family through it, they've lost their job through it, maybe they've even lost their life through it and we get discouraged when we see darkness winning and we say, God, what's going on? Peter is telling his audience, again, remember, they've all lost their homes, their jobs, and possibly on threats of their lives, fleeing because they believed in Jesus. So think about how comforting this would be to them and, and allow it to comfort you that Jesus or Peter says to them, Look, don't look to anything in this broken world, look to what is coming in eternity. So, as the Christians, we are called to action. Our holiness is action but it's grounded in hope. Everything we do, we don't, we don't invest into a new believer because we know that that new believer is gonna do great things, we, that is part of it, but we invest in that new believer because Jesus has commanded us to, and we know that no matter what the outcome is with that new believer's life, if we are faithful to the task God's called us to, then when we see him in heaven, we will be amazed at the grace that we receive at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so church, the first thing we see in this passage is that holiness is action grounded in hope. And what I think is amazing about that is that we are the only ones who have hope in this life. I don't mean that statement arrogantly, but there is an exclusivity of Christ. Jesus is exclusive. In John 14, six, which is a Bible book, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. So whatever other religion there is, their heaven is the hell that our religion talks about. Because if Jesus is the only way to the Father, then we're the only ones with hope. Which then reminds us that we should be grateful, and we can look forward to what is to come, and that we've gotta get serious about telling people about Jesus. Because at best, seven out of the ten people that we know will spend an eternity in hell separated from the Lord. We want them to have that hope. As we move on, we read in verse 14. So so, uh, holiness is action grounded in hope. And now in verse 14, it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as The one who called you is holy. You also are to be holy in all your conduct. Verse 14, again, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Holiness does not conform to sin. I have a friend of mine that shoots competitively and he's got these really, really cool earbuds, okay? I just get like the 99 cent ones at Walmart and stick them suckers in my ear. You can't hear anything unless you take them out and then you're in and out, in and out, in and out. But my buddy has these special ones that that he literally just plops right in his ear and they're molded to the shape of his ear, custom made. That's conformed. Those were conformed to his ears, they only fit in his. See, Christ has called us, and the purpose of following Christ is that daily the Holy Spirit is empowering us uh, to become more and more like Jesus. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of God in our walk with Christ and, and not to our sinful past. And so, and so as it talks about this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance because holiness does not conform to to sin, so we have salvation in mind. There's the therefore we've we've girded up our loins. We've prepared ourselves for action. We're running this holiness race, and we're on the path of Christ. And we must not conform to the desires of our former ignorance. There's two key things that I really want to hit on uh, in this verse: former and ignorance. The book of 1 Corinthians tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. Former, that's who you were before Christ. And then two, ignorance. You didn't know what your sin was doing. Now, I wanna share a bit of my testimony. Can we do that? Who I was formerly was a self-centered Insecure, prideful, and sexually impure person. I cared about my happiness. I, 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 I was nice to people. I wasn't just an outright jerk, but it was about my happiness nonetheless. I, Tyler Martin, wanted to have a good time. I wanted to be satisfied, and I believed that at any cost I should get what I wanted. This, of course, was that was fueled by my pride. When you think you're important, you think you're worthy of a good time. Okay, so that pride, and then, ironically, I was a devastatingly insecure person in that I wanted everyone's acceptance that I was as great as my pride told me I was. And all of that paved a very smooth road for sexual sin. I wanted my happiness and my satisfaction And my pride told me I deserved it. My insecurity left me um, begging for acceptance and I found myself down a very long, dark road full of shame and regret and empty. In every respect, I was running full tilt, breaking every single boundary that God has for his people. And now I realize there is freedom in the boundaries that God puts in my life and in your lives. So I used to find or attempt to find my purpose in all of those things. And now on this side of my salvation, I realize that that's not who I am anymore and I get sick to my stomach when I think of who I used to be in the things I used to do. I realize that that's not who I am anymore, simply and only by the grace of Jesus Christ in my life. I used, to, um, I used to enjoy those things, but now I realize that that fun was biblically defined as rejection of the God that loved me, made me, and sent his son Jesus to die for me. So, so formerly, life was about me. Then I learned in the Bible that the Bible teaches that God is the only one worth praising, and therefore my pride was an attack on God's glory because I wanted praise. I thought being proud was good. You have confidence. Yeah, you're better than everybody. But then when I came to know the Lord, I realized I was competing for the only one who's worthy of praise and I was attacking his glory. And then I also, again, when it comes to my selfishness, I realized that, that the Bible teaches life isn't about me, but it's about serving God and obeying him. And then with my insecurity. I learned that the Bible teaches that my insecurity was because I was allowing others to to dictate whether or not I was being accepted and they were defining my worth rather than the God who created me and knew the plans for me. I learned that the Bible says that sexual satisfaction is designed between one man and one woman in marriage and that I was hijacking what did not belong to me for my own enjoyment. All the things I found so much fun in when I came to know Jesus and I heard his word on it, I realized that my sin was an attack against a good and gracious God. And then instead of punishing me, he punished his son, his perfect son, who'd never sinned in my place so that I could receive grace. So again, I'm ashamed and sickened at who I used to be um, and praise God that I'm not that person anymore. I've changed. Now we, we come to this. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. The, the, the problem is, is that along the path of following Christ, we're like, man, you start reading the Bible and you love what it does to change your soul. You start speaking kindly to people. You start trying to serve people more than you serve yourself. And you start realizing that life's not about you and it's about God and it's about serving others. And so you start these things and then then something scrolls across your Instagram feed that pops up this fiery passion from who you used to be and you're like, oh, man. Or, or someone cuts you off, and again, that fiery passion comes right back, and, and, and you feel the flesh, and what it says is the desires, the yearnings, the passion of your former ignorance, who you used to be, and when you didn't know what it was doing to God, along our life's paths temptation rises up and it it wants us to go back to where we were, it wants us to go back into the grave. But as we sang in that first song, Jesus called our names and we came out of that grave. We're no longer dead so we have no business being in the graveyard. That's where we used to be when we didn't know better. But now that Christ has changed us and we know what our sin did to God and to us, we refuse to be conformed to what we used to find joy in. Holiness does not conform to sin. And let me just say to you, if you're struggling in sin still, that's not who you are anymore. You are a blood-bought child of God. And now you know better. Romans Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. If you give sin an inch, it will take a mile. And so that passage says, make no provisions for your sinful flesh to have what it wants. Church, Holiness is essential, and especially for the health of our church, which we're fixing to get to, and and then also for our evangelism, which we're fixing to get to. So church, let me encourage you by God's word that we're reading today. Do not conform to your sin of who you used to be when you didn't know what it was doing to you and to the Lord. As we move on and we read, we join up in in verse uh, 15. But as, so, So we've prepared ourselves for action, right? Holiness is action grounded in hope. Holiness does not conform to sin. And now we pick up in verse 15. But as the one who called you is holy, so you also ought to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Again, he's he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. Uh, It's always important to know what the if the author quotes the Old Testament, he's bringing the context of that situation into it. And God had created a people and was giving them ways in which they could live and be different than the lost nations around them. And he says, be holy because I'm holy. He's unlike any other God. And so therefore our God's people ought to be unlike any other people. We ought to be the light in the dark place. Verse, verse 17, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. See, holiness stems from our new identity. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Again, that, ver- that passage in Corinthians um, That is, it's so basic and yet it's so hard to accomplish. Our holiness, right? as we continue on. Let me read in verse 18. It says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God so, so this passage has made it really clear okay that that your holiness stems from your identity it says that be holy as I am holy that's who God is and then he says for you were bought If someone is, this is a horrible illustration because it's actually really sad, but if someone kidnaps somebody and then they reach out to the parents of this person and they say, we demand a million dollars, that's called a ransom. And what happens is you don't get your kid back until you've paid the ransom. And what happened in sin is that we indebted, enslaved ourselves to Satan and to the enemy when we chose sin over God. And so there was a ransom on our lives. There was a payment to get us out of that slavery to sin, and it was paid, it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying, that, that hey, be holy for I am holy, God, I the God who saved you I'm holy and I've called you to be like me and don't forget that you once were enslaved and I paid the price and I adopted you into the family of God I had a friend of mine that (laughs) he he loved to play pranks he loved Jesus okay, And, and he was telling us this story one time that um, he, and, and the place that he works, he just loved to play pranks on his coworkers. And, and this specific lady, he would, he would always pick on her a whole lot. Well, one day, this lady was always in good fun. And, and one day, this lady got sick of it, and she was like, I'm going to get him back, okay? So she gets in his phone and finds his mother's phone number, and she calls his mother and says, Mrs. So-and-so, this is what your son has been doing to me. He's done this, 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 and just lists all these pranks that he's pulled on her and humiliated her and picked on her and given her a hard time. And he says, let me, the mom says, let me speak to my son. (laughs) So he gets on the phone. Hey, mama. Boy, you better act like you know. And He just said that's the only thing. She just yelled at him. Boy, you better act like you know. And he begins to explain that that was a phrase that he knew very well in his family because his mother and father had an incredibly hard upbringing. They didn't have any formal education. Um, They they had a really tough, I, I want to say, I don't want to lie, I believe that it was a situation out of poverty, out of hardship, out of struggles, out of strife, and they raised their two sons. And I believe both of them wanted to get master's degrees and PhDs, and, but they raised their sons to be better than what they were when they grew up. And they gave them an opportunity that they were never afforded. And so when, he, when she said, boy, you better act like you know, he, he, he was saying that that meant you better act like you know where you came from because you were raised better than that. And as I read that passage, that, that story came back to me. And that's true for us, church. There are people in this world that either follow Jesus or they don't follow Jesus. There's two categories. I mean, there's a lot of other categories, but when when it gets down to where you're going to spend your eternity, there's people that follow Jesus and there's people that don't. And the people that follow Jesus, they have been bought. The ransom has been paid. They were freed from their slavery to sin by the death of Jesus Christ. That's love. And, And God lavish that love and grace on us and then he calls us into his family and he calls us to go back out into the darkness and share the gospel of people that don't have that same hope but in that process he calls us to be holy which is to be unlike anything else but to be like God not trying to be God but to have the same character honesty integrity and holiness of God And so, as I think about my friend's mom saying, Boy, you better act like you know. I think that's a word for us, church, that we better act like we know where we come from. We were enslaved to sin, we were dead, and yet God gave us new life in Christ. He caused us to be born again into a living hope. And so, our holiness stems from our new identity. And I just want to encourage you, again, if you're struggling with sin or or you're just frustrated, let me remind you, act like you know. You've been adopted. That's not who you are anymore. You've been set free. Now walk in that freedom. Walk in that new identity. What you believe about yourself is important, and I'm not talking about self-fulfilling prophecy, like, oh, I will get this promotion. I will not, I'm not saying this name it and claim it weird stuff where you think if you think positively, everything great's gonna to happen to you in the world. Jesus was a pretty godly person, I'd say, and he was murdered, okay? Peter, pretty godly, murdered upside down. So I don't really believe in this whole every day is Friday and your best life now. That's kind of a joke. But I do believe that if you don't see yourself as a redeemed child of God, you will not see yourself as God sees you. And so church, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and walked away from your sins, you have a new identity. Walk in that. And now we go to verse 22, where it says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that... so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart. Love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. See, our holiness is upward and outward. All up in this point, it's talked about being holy because God's holy. Be holy because you've been saved. Be holy because you've been adopted as a family of God. So because of what God has done for you, coming down to you, his grace down to you, you should be holy and follow him alone, right? So that's upward. But then in verse 22, it says, now, because of this, because you follow Jesus so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. So our holiness does not just mean that us and Jesus got to be good, but we have to be right with people. Now, if your love with God is right, your love with people will also be right. And in this passage, he is only talking about the church. Elsewhere in the Bible and elsewhere in the book of 1 Peter, which we'll get into, he does talk about having right relationships um, with people who do not know Christ. But in this passage right here, he is talking about having sincere brotherly love for those in the church. There is a laser focus here on brotherly love, which we call transparent community and right relationships, okay? We must start at home. Again, in the book of John, verse thirteen thirty-five, Jesus says, you, all the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, bar none in the Casper area will know that Outfitter Church loves Jesus by the love that we have for one another. And, and here's two things that, that I wanna just drive in as hard as I possibly can. If we can't love the church, then our love for the lost loses all power. And we must strive for our church family relationships to be healthy or our evangelism will be a joke. What do I mean by that? If you start telling the gospel to someone who doesn't believe it, but yet they know that you've lied, gossiped, cheated, slandered, and stolen from your church family, then what in the world would they want to be a part of that for? If they see corruption and abuse of power at Outfitter Church, why in the world would they wanna follow our God? So our holiness is not just upward and downward with the Lord, but it's also outward towards people and to the church, and so our love for the church must be strong, and that gives us an ability for our love for the lost to be impactful. As we move on now, we come to the last passage in this chapter for tonight. In verse 24, or in verse 23, it says, because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God, verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So he's quoting an Old Testament passage and then he interprets it and he says, and this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. See, our holiness is fueled by the word of God. Well, our holiness is fueled by the gospel, by the good news of Jesus Christ. So as as we come now to the close of this chapter, we've seen that holiness is action grounded in hope. Holiness does not conform to sin. Holiness stems from our new identity. Holiness is upward and outward, and now we see that holiness is fueled by the gospel. Now. The word gospel means good news. If there's good news, there's bad news. The bad news, you and I have sinned. The good news, Jesus died on the cross, making a way for us to be forgiven of that sin. And so that's the good news that he's talking about. And again, he quotes the book of Isaiah. Now, if you're looking in your Bible, there should be either it should be in bold or there should be a number or a letter out beside. Uh, Or it should be written differently because it's quoted in Scripture. So there should be some sort of demarcation in your Bible that tells you that there's something up with this verse. And it's telling you it's a quote from the Old Testament. And and as we want to know how to read the Bible well, that any time, again, like I said earlier, any time the New Testament author quotes the Old Testament, it's for a very big purpose. Now, he quotes Isaiah 4, Isaiah 46 through 8. And the context of that passage is that God has spoken and it has come to pass by that his prophetic and powerful word, Israel is no longer in slavery but is free. Verse two says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Verse four, every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be leveled and the uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places become a plain. So here the Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet is prophesying about a time when Israel was caught in their sin and because of the word that was spoken by God, they are now set free. And we know that in the coming of Christ, the spotless lamb, he was the sacrifice for our sins, the greatest news ever, the gospel. And so what he's saying is that our holiness is rooted in the fact that God created an opportunity for us to be set free from our sin. And so our our holiness is rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that if you don't love Jesus, you're really going to hate this church because we're gonna preach about Jesus every week. It's gonna be out of a different Bible text, but I promise you it's gonna get back to Jesus because he is the fulfillment of every syllable of the word of God. And our holiness, our identity as a new believer, our identity as a Christian, and, and, and the way that we can fight sin, all of that is fueled by the fact that we didn't deserve grace and it was given to us anyways. I, I, don't, I hope that you have the same excitement about Jesus as I do because as every time I preach a sermon, I'm like, man, Jesus is, is our hope. Jesus is the reason that we would repent of our sin. Or, and then when I think about songs, and I'm like, I just want to sing songs that are about Jesus. And literally from the beginning words with our welcome and our open, um, and we say welcome to worship Jesus, and then we sing songs about Jesus, and then we preach about Jesus, and then we sing some more songs about Jesus, and then we go out and try and live like Jesus. Again, if you don't like Jesus, you're gonna hate this church. But I hope that the more that we exalt him and the more we lift him up for what he's done for us, that we will be drawn into a deeper love and adoration of God for what he's done for us. Now, if you're in this room and you don't believe in Jesus, I haven't talked to you yet tonight. (laughs) This has all been applicable to the church. So let me just, as we close, let me walk through this. And I'm gonna ask our band to come on up and to begin uh, getting ready for us to sing praise to God as we close with response. But we saw in this passage that, that we've been called to action. That action gives us purpose. What is your purpose in this life? If you don't believe in Jesus, if you haven't followed Jesus yet, what's your purpose? And then it says, it's, it's, it's action grounded in Hope. See, we look forward to knowing that all of this is worth it because in the end, we receive the reward of knowing the God that saved us. But what's your hope? If you don't believe in eternity, if you just think that you're gonna die and go into the ground, then what's the point of living? By the way, that's not going to happen. There is an an eternal reality, Mm -hmm. and it's heaven or hell. You get one one or the other. So what's your purpose, and where are you gonna spend your time when you're dead? What's gonna happen after that? And then it, we talked about how holiness doesn't conform to sin, and my question to you was just the same question I've asked myself. Do you find yourself caught in these unhealthy habits of sin where you, where you think that you're having fun, but yet you keep finding that it's empty? Do you want hope? Do you want something fulfilling? You will find it in Jesus we talked about holiness stems from our new identity if you haven't believed in christ you're not adopted as a child of god but the adoption papers are on the table in front of you saying if you just sign i've already done all the work i've already paid the fees i've already lined up the parents would you let me adopt you And only once we accept that identity in Christ as an adopted child of God will we be able to love rightly, outwardly. You see, so much brokenness. None of that is what God would intend. If you want to be a part of seeing brokenness made right, follow Jesus. And last of this new identity is is fueled by the the good news that you didn't deserve life and yet you were given it. But will you accept that gift? If while I've preached the word of God to you tonight, God has opened your eyes and you say, okay, I thought this was a sham before, but I want it. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just pray to the Lord and I'm gonna declare some truth that he is good that we are not. I'm going to declare that, that you want to follow him, that you believe Jesus died for your sins. If you want to follow Jesus tonight, if you've never given your life to Christ, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer after I'm going to say some words and I'm going to pause and that's, I want you to repeat that to yourself under your breath or in your heart. If you want to follow Christ, this is an opportunity for you to, to begin that relationship. So I'm going to do that, then I'm going to pray for the church and then we're going to sing. So if you're ready to sign the adoption papers, pray this with me. God, you have been good to me. I didn't always think that. But God, I want purpose. I want hope. I wanna be set free the sins that bind me I know you sent Jesus God in the flesh to die in my place for my sins I'm gonna need your help but I want to follow you I give you my life God Forgive my sins. Do with my life whatever you please. I am yours, and you are mine. Now, if you prayed that with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed still, you were given a card when you walked in that has a place for your name. I want you to fill that out, and I want you to check the top box. that says you decided to follow Jesus today. I'm going to give you a call this week. I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to help you get connected to Christ and to his people. And I want to welcome you to our family. Please, be bold. If you prayed that tonight, let me know. Write it on that card so that we can talk about this new decision you've made. Now let me pray for the church. And then let's sing to the Lord. God, I am so excited as we begin to walk through 1 Peter and it's already begun to shape my mind, knowing that every ounce of frustration and pain that we experience in this life is all overshadowed by the goodness that we have in Christ. Help us, Lord, to be a church that is holy, a church that is unlike the world, not because we're better than, but because we've been saved because we are children of God and we want to be the light. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.